Good evening and welcome to Four Dose Production. This is Milkshake Monday, episode 210, and I am Anita Helm, and we're going to talk about what's ahead. Now, before I go into what's ahead, I want to tell you a couple of things, little stories or vignettes about what happened to me during this week. Uh, I know some of you understand that for a while I've been talking about the song Gyra by Elevation Worship and how after the loss of my husband, it really wasn't a loss because I know where he is, he's in heaven. I had um, a problem with really that song just broke me because I had to share in the, the scriptures of that song. It says Jesus is enough. And I think going through the pain and the separation of one's spouse, it was hard for me to get to that place. Even though I knew it in my head, my heart had to be honest with Christ and just sang it. And today I heard that song and I just recognized how much the Lord and the Holy Spirit has comforted me to the point that I can sing that song and truly mean it and not just fall apart in tears when I go to say it and to be really meaning it out of my heart. The second thing that I wanted to share Many of you have cars that are big trucks. And when the temperature changes from the season of summer to go into fall, and there's a dramatic uh, barometric pressure change and it gets colder, a lot of our tires will have that tire pressure light come on on our panel. And so mine happened on Friday night. And so I had to do something about it on Saturday morning and I was about to go somewhere. Well, here's the gist of what I'm trying to share with you. I get up early enough so that I can go get gas, get the tire, uh, tires filled with air, work it out. I go to the first place and it's a free place that gives air. Of course it doesn't work. So I go to a place where I have to pay. It used to be 25 cents, 50 cents. Now it's a dollar 50 for about two minutes of air. So I pay the money. I have all of my, you know, the tire caps that you take the little caps off and I get them all ready for me to put the air in. I hear the noise. Everything is working. I check what it is before so I can know where it's going to be at the end. And the first time I do it, nothing changes. I go through it a second time. Nothing changes. The third time I realized that I wasn't holding down the mechanism that you put the air in. And it made me think, oh, Anita, there are some things that you are so smart about and some things you just don't get it, sister. And I was like, okay. But I said, Lord, this is an object lesson about some of the things when it comes to our faith and trusting God and understanding where God wants us to be and what he wants us to do and how he wants us to trust him. And I thought about that, especially when it comes to us praying for things to the Lord. We pray amiss. We pray amiss because some things we do that we want to pray to God about, we want to come and dump God this whole list of things, but then we don't want to make sure it's in accordance with his word. Then we don't want to listen to what he has to say about it. We just want to say, chap, 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 and just say, okay, fix it, God. Fix my mess that I'm in. And I said, things like that don't work with God. God is about his word. He's about his truth. He's about his promises. He's about his principles. He's about his divine plan, his business. And sometimes we just throw things and we think all around us is working, but we don't understand. We are not telling God to work for us. God is the almighty and the creator. And I think sometimes we have to recognize we have to be in accordance with his will, not our will. We get it backwards. Like I was backwards trying to put air in without holding down the mechanism. So tonight, when we talk about what's ahead, there's some things that I want us to understand. And here's the thing. I'm going to play with you a little bit. 
There's so many things in the Bible that I could have picked out for scriptures, but God gave me the story that he wants me to have. And I'm going to show you some that I'm not going to do, but I could have, when talking about what's ahead, what's in our future, I could have talked about press toward the mark of the high calling. You all know Philippians chapter three, verses 14 through 15. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. But I'm not going to talk about press toward the mark. Ah, not going to do it. I could talk about how God is always so far ahead of us, you know, which he knows the ending before the beginning. You know, that scripture, Isaiah 46, 10, which says declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do as all my pleasure but I'm not going to talk about that. Or I could go to my favorite, you know, that scripture from Matthew six, the father knows what we have need of before we ask Matthew six, eight, therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. I'm not doing any of those three because I want us to focus on the stories. There are going to be two stories, very different stories, but the foundation that I want you to hold tight to but many of these scriptures, these two that I'm going to tell you for the foundational scriptures, you know them. If anything, you've memorized them. But when it comes to this story and what's ahead and what God has in store for your life, I want you to really spend some time this week and, and really just pray and say them over and over again to yourself. It's one of those, put them on the refrigerator ones. So the first one that I always know that we talk to, we talk about it in the Bible. We talk about it at churches and amongst each other as we're going through struggles. This is the one I want you to think of first. And this scripture comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses six to eight, but it's also repeated again in Joshua. But we always say when we think about what's ahead and sometimes the fear of what we don't know is going to come up ahead of our lives. We always say the Lord will never leave you or forsake you, but I'm going to read the scripture that was said to Moses and then repeat it back to Joshua. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with the peep, this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I always say that to myself, Anita, you're not by yourself. I say it to Pam. I say it to anybody who's listening. When you think about what's ahead, you got to remember you're not going by yourself. Even though you feel like nobody understands, you're not going by yourself. That's the first scripture that I want you to keep in mind and study on it. The second is something that we always talk about, Psalms 23. Now I want to hear Psalms 23 because of some verbs. And I'm going to repeat these verbs back to you because when you're getting ready to make a change in your life, you're getting ready to proceed on an uncharted path, new territory. Change is scary. We always say, we all want to change. I want to change. I want something new. But guess what? When you have something new, the status quo gets changed. And sometimes you're so comfortable with what is and what has been that you don't understand that in order for something new to come, 
You got to make some changes. Things that you used to do aren't going to be the same. But here's the thing about when you are making a change. I just told you that the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. But look about this shepherd's role. Because even as we talk about Jesus Christ, who is the you don't see him, physically see him. He's always present with you. The Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are always there. But this shepherd, look at what they say about him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Here's the thing. He makes me lie down. There's some times where you want to stand up, walk around all night, can't sleep. You got insomnia. You can't eat. Your stomach is unsettled. Your hair is falling out. And sometimes he has to make you lie down, but he's your shepherd. And he says, I don't want you to want. And some of you are wanting for peace. You're wanting for some closure about some situations going on. And sometimes God's got to make you lay down. It says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters because guess what? Some of us have some rocky roads. Some of us have some storms in our lives where the waters and the waves are just billowing against us and he's making us lie down in green pastures to get some rest. But he also will put himself to lead us beside some still waters because our directions are taking us through some storms. Our decisions, our messed up behaviors are taking us through some storms, but then he restores my soul. We need some restoration. We need some kind of energizing and God can energize us. Now it says it leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I say, we're walking through, we're not staying, we're walking through. I will fear no evil. A lot of us are going through a lot of fear and we're going through things where we don't believe that God is with us. Even though I just showed it to you in Deuteronomy and he's going to say it for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Comfort. Now, these are words that we've heard at the funeral services. And I've said Psalm 23 enough over the years that you all should know it by heart. But there's a comfort that you're going to see in the way ahead of the story we're getting ready to have. I want you to remember, don't fear. He's going to make you lie down sometimes. He's going to be a shepherd so you don't want. He's going to lead you, but he's going to comfort you. And you're going to go through some valleys of the shadow of death. But that's why he says, don't fear because he's with you. And then he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now this goodness and mercy following me. Some of you are going through some things where you don't feel like what's following you is goodness and mercy. You feel like all the trouble is following you on every side. But I'm going to show you a story tonight that you've heard, but I'm going to show it and I'm going to ask you all for tonight to put yourself in this person's shoes. I mean, really, don't just look at it as, oh, as a story I've heard a thousand times. I want you to really put yourself in her shoes and I'm going to share with you some perspectives of this woman's life that we made us pass over, but we're going to talk about her tonight. We're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood. And I'm doing that because a lot of people are going through struggles of their physical bodies. They're going through stress. They are going through hardships, whether it's financial, emotional, physical, whatever's going on, they're struggling and they're stressed out. They're overcome. And this is a woman that was going through that same thing, but 
The focus of tonight's teaching is what's ahead. She's got a lot of stuff going on. And let me just give y'all an issue of what's going on with her before I read the scripture of Mark chapter five, verses 25 through 34. I'm going to tell you what's going on in her present situation. What's going on with her right now? She's finding herself in an existence of constant sickness. She is sick. She's broken. Can you imagine being sick for 12 years? Some of us have had a scare. Your heart has had a problem. Maybe you've had a stroke. Maybe you've had a situation where they've given you a diagnosis of cancer. Maybe they've given you a diagnosis of high blood pressure. All of these things have gone on. But in reality, after a time, you just feel broken. So she's been suffering. She's in financial ruin. She's found herself talking to so many doctors, doctor, this specialist, this person, I got this tonic for you. I got this, this will help you. This will help you. But in reality, she's been disappointed. And not only have they taken her money, they have found that they've taken her hope. She's disappointed. She's discouraged. She's broken. And guess what? She's got an issue of blood. So she smells. Y'all know what blood smells like. You know, as a woman, when you used to have your monthly menstrual cycle, there's a smell. Can you imagine for 12 years constantly having blood and you smelling of blood and people around you feeling that you are unclean and that you are just a smelling person that smells of blood all the time. You can't really have a relationship physical. You can't have any physical intimacy with anybody if you're bleeding all the time. And you understand in their culture, they're unclean. They're not even supposed to have men around them. Can you imagine going for 12 years where nobody's touching you? I'm not talking to sexually. I'm just saying, touching you, hugging you, embracing you, telling you it's going to be all right, baby. I love you. They're not even supposed to be around you because of the blood is so unclean. It's not a, it's not leprosy, but it's just as bad because you really are alone with that struggle of your sickness and you want to be better. And can you imagine how low her self-esteem must be at this point? But knowing all of that, knowing that she's sick and tired of being sick and tired. I mean, I've heard people say, I wasn't feeling good. I don't feel good. I'm so sick of being sick. I know my late husband, he was tired of being sick. He didn't say it, but you could tell he was just his quality of life of how he felt. He was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. But let's read this scripture. And then that's how she was before. And she had to make a decision. You guys, you are not supposed to be seen outside. If you're unclean, not just the lepers, but people who are bleeding, they're not supposed to be running around. She took a chance when she got out of her house and she knew about what she was hearing about Jesus Christ. And she took a chance to see what was ahead. And that what was ahead was Jesus. And I want you to see this story because I want you to hear when they said she was pressed behind the crowds that the people that were healthy and, and well, they wanted to get to Jesus. But this sick woman who was losing blood, do you understand how it would be to lose blood? Blood, you can be anemic. Back then they didn't have transfusions as easy as going to the hospital, get a transfusion. She was sick and weak and broken emotionally, but something in what was going on in her heart and her life saying, 
I got to get to him. And what's ahead is him, is my hope. He's her last hope because the doctors have failed her. Her body has failed her. But look what it says in Mark chapter five, verses 25 through 34. And I'm reading out of the King James Version. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch, but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitudes thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus was ahead of her because it says that she, she's just pressing him from behind, but all those people were around him. All those people were touching at him, but it was only her that he noticed and felt the virtue come out because she had such a faith. She was hopeless at the house. She was hopeless in her financial being ruined. Doctors making her worse, being broken and sick and smelling and sick and tired of being sick and tired. But when she touched him, she touched him believing if I could just touch his clothes. She wasn't even saying I could touch his body. If I could just touch his clothes, all those people were thronging around him, but it was her touch for her belief for what was ahead, which was Jesus, which was hope which was wholeness. She didn't say, oh, he'll make me feel better. She, she said, he'll make me whole. Her belief and faith that he would make her whole. Now look what happened. We never talked about what do you think happened afterward? I told you all the things that were going on emotionally, physically, financially with her, but what do you think after she was made whole? She had come in con contact with Jesus Christ. He talked to her, called her daughter, told her her faith had made her whole to go in peace. He had already told all this. That alone is life-changing, life-affirming giving her hope where she was low in self-esteem. Christ called her daughter, told her in a face-to-face -face conversation all about what he had hoped for her, what he wanted for her. Because you saw what the scripture says. She told him all the truth. She told her all the 12 years of what she'd been gone through. And he told her daughter go in peace. But look at the things. I want you to see the reverse of what she gets to come home from. 
And that's why I want to make sure that you understand that when you see what's ahead, which is Jesus Christ, make sure you don't let your fear captivate your future, your destiny, God's peace, God's promises, God's wholeness. Don't let people come and say, I don't know why you want to do this with that old church or why you want to talk about Jesus, why you want to read the Bible, because there's hope, there's peace, there's comfort. There's the Lord making me lie down in green pastures. There's the Lord going through the valley with me. There's those things in Psalm 23 that you have a way ahead because it's Christ. Now look at this. Not only did she have the healing from Jesus himself, she was healed of her sickness. She was soothed of the brokenness because as soon as she touched him, she knew immediately that there was a change in her body, that the virtue of Christ, all of the virtue of Christ came about her to wholly heal her, stopped everything that was, whatever was causing that flow that issue immediately had to come under authority of the risen, the Christ who was the creator. He hadn't risen yet, but his power of the creation that he had done, he created that body. So all of that issue was done. She soothed by his love to call her daughter. So she's not feeling inadequate. She doesn't have to loathe herself for smelling anymore. She can wash up and not know that the blood is coming right back. She can know that yes, she's starting in a financial place of ruin. She doesn't have any money, but now she's healthy. And I think some people, when they come to the end of their life, they realize their money in the bank account can't make them well again. Rockefeller couldn't make himself well again. Money doesn't make you well, but having the peace of God, you can have the strength to go get another two mites, to go work a little bit of this, go do a little bit of that. You have that assurance because Christ has touched you. She can push aside the disappointment that she had. Some of y'all are disappointed. You're weary. You're grieving all this thing. You got to look what's ahead. Christ. You can stay stuck at the house. She could have stayed at the house. Y'all she could have stayed for another 12 years, but she said, I got to get out of this situation. I got to go to where my hope is. My hope is in the house where I'm bleeding, where I'm poor, where I'm, I'm suffering where I'm depressed, where I'm down. I got to get out of this house and I got to go to see what's ahead because I hear Christ is there and I'm going to press through the crowd. I'm going to go find him. I'm going to go. And even though I'm weaker than everybody else, I'm going to get to him. That's why that song, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. He made her from the woman with the issue of blood to the woman who was healed and whole. She had a new identity. She had a new understanding of her life. Her life for 12 years was in sickness and suffering. Christ changed that. And what Christ wants to do with us is to change us. But see, if we want to sit in the house with our pity party, with all our regrets, with all our depression, with all our past pain, with all our past suffering, and we don't ever see what's ahead, we're hurting ourselves. We're letting our past paralyze our future. That's not good for anybody, your family, yourself, and the people that God wants you to minister to. He says, go into all the world. That globe that I had, what's ahead is all the peoples that God will allow you to talk about what he did for you. 
if you would just get out of your pity party, get out of your house and do what thus saith the Lord. But guess what? Some people want to stay status quo because status quo is familiar. I know how to bleed. I don't know how to be made well. I know how to keep giving money out and not getting any money in. I know how to do what I know how to do. But see, God is going to say, no, I need you to, I need you to go for what's ahead because I'm ahead. I'm not behind. I'm ahead. But guess what? God is behind you and before you. That's why the hedge of protection. Then this second story has nothing to do with sickness and disease of the flesh. This story that we're going to be out of Numbers chapter 25 verses 24 through 39 is a person that's supposed to be a man of God, but he is outside the will of the Lord, but he doesn't really appreciate that. And we're going to see something that you're going to say is very peculiar, very not something you see in the 21st century. I got that part. But my point is that there are some things in your life that you're going through that you are totally oblivious to. And only when you actually settle yourself down, settle your happy-go-lucky self down. And some of y'all need to go back and look at that teaching about the lie of fine versus the joy of the Lord because you're being delusional to yourself and what's going on in your life. And God is trying to tell you some things, but you are so busy in your pity party and what you think you know about the situation that you're not going before the Lord. And I say this because I'm doing a lot of research and studying for the teaching stand relationships. And it consistently always talks about people jumping out into relationships without first asking God, God, is this okay? Is this what you want? Have you sanctioned this? No, they get into some mess and then they say, God, well, please remove this guy, move this girl. But that was never God's will in the first place. And here's a story of a man that's supposed to be speaking as thus saith the Lord, and he's off track. And God's going to do something supernaturally where some of you all, God is trying to do some supernaturally reining you in like the shepherd, getting that hook and bringing you in, making you lay down making you do some things that you're not comfortable doing, but he's saying it's for your best interest. But in the case here, we're going to see that we're going to, he's going to use a donkey and y'all say donkeys don't talk. God can make anything that he created, do whatever he needs to do. If he can make ravens feed a prophet, he can have a donkey talk. Some of y'all he's making you talk and you act just as foolish sometimes as this donkey. But here's the case of this donkey. It says here in verse 24, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, his owner is on his back riding through traveling, but the donkey is going to see an angel of the Lord. He's going to see it, but guess what? The human being on his back does not see it. Just like some of the things God has going on with you. Some people who are spiritually discerning may see some things happen in your life. You are clueless. You are absolutely clueless. You can't see that fool that you done brought in in your life. You can't see that bad decision. You can't understand that bad behavior. You don't understand what taking drugs and alcohol is doing in your life. You don't, you don't see it. Just like this man on the back of this donkey. Don't see this angel. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed herself to the wall 
and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. The angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn to the right hand or to the left. Can you imagine the donkey at first is saying, let me skid on over here to get out of way of that angel with that sword. And the man's leg was getting against the wall and hurt his leg. So he hits the donkey. Now the angel has moved to the point the donkey can't go left or right. And he's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't do, I can't do nothing. Well, here, here he goes. There's no way to turn to the right hand or the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down. Like, I can't go to the left. I can't go to the right. She just lay down. Like, I can't do nothing. I'm going to lay down. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam was very angry. He was pissed, y'all. He, the donkey's already run his foot against the wall. And he needs to get somewhere. And the donkey just lays down. He just gave up. He says, Balaam was angry and struck the donkey with his stick. Peter would be called, wouldn't they? And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. He going to talk some words now. And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times. I can imagine the female, you know, if it was a female woman just shaking her head, what are you doing this for? You have struck me three times. Then Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a mockery of me, if there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now. The donkey, now you think Balaam would say, okay, the donkey's talking to me. I would have kind of backed up just for that, but he's, he's having this conversation with his donkey. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he said, no, this makes me think of Shrek and that donkey. I tell you, I should be more serious, but it's just making me, they just have this dynamic. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed all the way to the ground. The angel of the Lord said to him, now the donkey don't have to talk because now the angel's going to talk. Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Now, now him is something. The angel Lord is a messenger from God. The first thing he talks to Balaam about is him hitting this donkey. Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary because your way was contrary to me. But the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I would surely have killed you just now. There are some things going on in some folks' life that they're in some dangerous territory. And only by the grace and the mercy of God, we talked about grace and mercy, so follow me all the days of my life, right? Y'all have Psalm 23. But this angel is saying, had it not been for this donkey that you hit three times, you'd be dead. I would surely have killed you just now and let her live. 
I killed you and let the donkey live. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned for I did not know that you were standing in the way against me. Now then, if it is displeasing to you, I will turn back. But the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but you shall speak only the word which I tell you. So Balaam went along with the leaders of Balak. He was out. He was, he was in the wrong, but correction by God, if we would listen to him is when we are in the wrong. He will give us encouragement and delight when we're doing what's right. But when we're in the wrong, when we're going down the wrong path, it's the Lord that loves us. That's why he disciplines the one that he loves. But some of us are determined. We, we need the donkey to speak. We're, we're hitting the donkey instead of just taking the heed to say something's going wrong in our lives. All these things are falling apart. Ask God, God, am I outside your will? God, give me direction through your word. Give me direction through your, your woman or man of God. Help me to understand what's going on. What's ahead? Am I supposed to be to the left, to the right? Am I supposed to be doing this? What's ahead that you have for me, God? And wait and see what he, he's going to say. Don't just jump out there. Make sure you're following after the Lord's will. Yeah, you're smart, but you're not smarter than God. You know some things, but you don't know more than God. Yes, we just talked about press toward the mark of the high calling. Yes, we say the Father knows what you have need of before you even ask, but you need to ask God. You need to keep pressing, but press in the will of God. Trust him. Now, I always like the scriptures that are telling us how God has great things and hope for our future. And that's why I'm going to read Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Put your name in that. Because some of you think, oh, all this bad stuff is happening. All the people I love are gone. All this stuff, I'm just so discouraged. I just don't know what's going on. I'm so overwhelmed. I just don't know where is God in all of this. God's thought toward you. He says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Not some of us in our head, what's our head? What's ahead? We have in our head negative garbage. We don't understand that the head of our lives is Christ. And the head of our life knows what he has in store for our lives and knew it before we were even in our mother's wombs. But guess what? When Satan starts to get you so discombobulated, messed up, screwed up, tied up, distressed, disturbed, depressed, all the deeds I can think of, you're thinking, nobody cares. Is it even worth it for me to keep going on? But God is saying, I know what I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace. He doesn't want you to be so overwhelmed that you can't even sleep. You can't even eat. You can't even think. You can't even show people what's really going on in your head. He says thoughts of peace and not of evil. All this stuff that's going around you, that's not his, his purpose for you to be downtrodden. Not of evil to give you a future and a hope. The woman with the issue of blood, it looked hopeless for her. 
But she said, I'm not going to stay like this. I'm going to believe that I heard about Christ. Now I'm going to go. I'm going to go for what's ahead. He's ahead. And that's why I want you all to really, I, I wasn't planning to pray, but I would like to pray with you all before I end. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you, Father. We ask you to forgive us of our sins that we've committed against you and you alone, Lord. We ask for you to help us to have hope. Help us to have peace that surpasses all understanding. We confess, God, that there's some things that we have been going through that we've disallowed ourselves just to be so hopeless because we didn't really believe what Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God. We thought that what you thought of us with all of our failures, all the things that we've done that have been outside your will, all the sin, that's, that's all you think about. But God, we forgot that because of the great love you had for us and you have for us, that you allowed your son, Jesus Christ, to come to sacrifice his life. And he didn't sin, but he knew all of us have sinned and fallen short of your glory. But God, you said that if a wage had to be paid for the sin, that you were allowing your son to, to, to give his life for that wage of sin. But God, some of us are so depressed that we don't even want to accept the free gift of salvation. We'd rather just stay in the house and, and be pitiful and depressed and overwhelmed. But God, in the name of Jesus, I call out your name, God, to have mercy on us, Father, all of us. Give us that hope. Give us the love to look up, God, for the help because we need your help. We need your guidance. We need you as our shepherd, God. We need for you to make us lie down, God, because many of us are weary and weary, not in well-doing, but in worry, God. We need your help, Lord. Mercy and grace, we need you, God, to be with us. Help us to recognize that the way ahead is through you and through your son. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. And we, we just, two or three are gathered in your name. You're in our midst. And we know that you're in our midst, God. We know that the power of God, the spirit of God, and you said, whatever two or three are touching and agreeing, God, I have two or three people I know are here touching and agreeing that the people under the sound of my voice from South Africa to Philippines, to Europe, to wherever these people are, God, to the United States of America, wherever God, from the Ukraine, God, hear our prayers. We call out to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you for listening to our prayers. I thank God that he shares in the word of God, Matthew chapter nine, verses 37 through 38, that the harvest is ripe, plenteous, but the laborers are few. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who loves you and loves me, that we would go out and share the message of his truth to everybody that God puts in our path. He loves you and he's the way ahead for us to have a future that is full of hope and peace. I love you and Lord willing, I'll see you next time. God bless you.